Africa rise and shine Africa zora Africa amka na unai Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, and we're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on the frequencies 7230 kilohertz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on 15255 kilohertz on the 19 meter band to Far West Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Tabisa Lohoko and Figile Lingwati. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, marches against President Jacob Zuma set to get underway across South Africa. U.S. launches military strikes against the Syrian government and U.N. peacekeeping chief urges support for Mali peace process. In economics news, Zambia urged to take advantage of a London Stock Exchange. And in sports news, African soccer legends to participate in a charity match in Lagos. But first up, the news with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. South Africa's President Jacob Zuma says he's not opposed to any march planned against him. He was reacting to the Save SA-led march to the government union buildings in the capital, Pretoria, as well as similar marches in other cities. Marches from a range of organizations will be calling on Zuma to step down. Presidential spokesperson Bongani Ngulunga says they have no problem with the marches as long as they are legal. The president has noted media reports that it is opposed to a protest march to the union buildings in Pretoria this morning. We just wish to make it clear that the presidency respects the right of all South Africans to protest peacefully as enshrined in the constitution of the republic. We are therefore not opposed to the march that will take place this morning as long as it is within the law and it is peaceful. In Johannesburg, the ruling ANC's MK veterans are already at the party's Lituli House for what they say is the protection of the headquarters of their party. Meanwhile, hundreds of people have gathered on Bayes Nodia Drive on the N1 highway west of the city to protest against President Jacob Zuma. These protesters are in a jovial mood. We wanted to come out in a show of unity for people, all South Africans, with regards to enough is enough. We've had enough of our economy being blasted by this man. People are still living without houses, without food, without water, and nothing changes except for his bank balance. We've had enough now. We pay our taxes, we pay our rates, we pay everything, and still we get nothing in return. Yeah, I think South Africans have to stand together. It's, t- it's enough. He has, uh, he's a law unto himself. In another development, South Africa is appearing at the International Criminal Court in The Hague in the Netherlands. Government will have to argue why the ICC should not make a non-compliance finding against it following its failure to arrest Sudanese President Omar Abashir in 2015. Abashir is accused of crimes against humanity and war crimes. Aldrin Pierre reports. South Africa's appearance comes just a month after the North Gauteng High Court compelled it to withdraw its notice to the United Nations 
that it wishes to pull out from the ICC. This because it failed to go through Parliament. South Africa remains a member state and must comply with the rules of the ICC. When government expected Omar al-Bashir at the African Union summit in 2015, it wrote to the International Criminal Court arguing it cannot arrest a sitting president citing the Immunities Act. This is the same argument it made in a litany of failed court cases. Government maintains the decision to withdraw from the ICC remains. A roadside bomb has killed 20 people in a minibus in Somalia's lower Shabela region near Galwain village. The region's governor says most of the victims were women. There has been no claim of responsibility. Meanwhile, President Mohammed Abdullahi Mohammed has offered members of the militant group Al-Shabaab in amnesty, Somali troops and East African regional peacekeepers backed by American drone strikes are locked in a fierce war with Al-Shabaab. And finally, the U.S. government is asking citizens residing in or traveling to Kenya to be alert to the security situation around the general elections in August and the campaigning period this month. Fighting that followed the 2007 flawed presidential election killed more than 1,000 people. Two candidates in the upcoming election have been killed and the governor of Kenya's second largest city, Mombasa, says his life is in danger after his bodyguard was shot in his car on Monday during a campaign rally for a party colleague. The State Department warned citizens to avoid gatherings, protests and demonstrations. That's the news. Headlines at 8.30 Central African Time. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Thank you, Anne. It's 806 Central African Time, and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine, the African Perspective. Now, the United States has launched military strikes against the Syrian government. It blames for a chemical weapons attack that killed scores of civilians, including 25 children. The United Nations Security Council has, for the past two days, negotiated on competing draft resolutions that would condemn that attack and call for unimpeded access to the sites for UN and Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons Investigators. But disagreement between various texts submitted first by Western permanent members, then Russia, and an additional third text by the elected members of the council have delayed any vote. The U.S. ambassador warned yesterday that in the absence of collective U.N. action, countries would be compelled to take unilateral action. Sean Bryce-Peace has more. A British diplomat tweeted from inside the consultations that there would be no vote Thursday night, with scores of journalists waiting outside the council expecting either that a grand bargain had been reached or that a compromise had again failed, and a Russian veto was imminent. And while all this played itself out in New York, military chiefs were briefing United States President Donald Trump about a possible precision strike on Syria, options that are likely to include grounding the aircraft used by forces loyal to the Syrian government, who Western countries believe is responsible for Tuesday's attack in Idlib province. Rex Tillerson is the U.S. Secretary of State. We are considering an appropriate response for this chemical weapons attack, which violates all previous 
UN resolutions, violates international norms, and, and long-held agreements between parties, including the Syrian regime, uh, the Russian government, and all other members of the UN Security Council. It's a serious matter. It requires a serious response. President Donald Trump also weighed in while traveling on Air Force One from Washington to his retreat in Florida. I think what Assad did is terrible. I think what happened in Syria is one of the truly egregious crimes. And it shouldn't have happened. And it shouldn't be allowed to happen. There was immediate concern expressed by some council members with Swedish Ambassador Olaf Skwerk making reference to the unilateral decision to invade Iraq in 2003. I was here with Hals Mix 2003. Yes. Right. Yeah. So worried. you're worried now? Yeah. Have you had a conversation with the U.S. ambassador about any of this yet? Oh, yeah. Hans Blix was, of course, the head of the U.N. Monitoring, Verification and Inspection Commission that found no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and warned against the U.S. invasion. Washington's current position is likely to put them in direct opposition with Moscow that has already vetoed six resolutions on Syria in the council to date. I'm Sherman Bricepies in New York. Parties to the conflict in Mali must be encouraged to accelerate implementation of a 2015 peace agreement. The new UN peacekeeping chief Jean-Pierre Lacroix told the Security Council on Thursday. The deal signed by the government and armed groups sought to end three years of instability, including a failed military coup and the seizure of the North by radical Islamists. Diane Payne reports. In his first briefing to the council, Mr. Lacroix pointed to recent signs of progress in Mali, such as the installation of interim authorities in the north, an indication of the gradual return of state authority there. However, these gains are fragile, he said, noting that a strategy to reform the security sector, as well as criteria for integrating former combatants into the national army, have yet to be determined. This absence of clarity as far as the institutions are concerned is an obstacle on the ground and is not helping to build confidence among the parties. And this situation is leading to splintering on the security and political fronts and making things more difficult. Therefore, we must more than ever continue to vigorously promote the political role and support the peace process. A UN mission is supporting the political process and stabilization efforts in Mali in addition to carrying out certain security-related tasks. Known by the French acronym MINUSMA, it operates under what Mr. Lacroix described as difficult conditions. Al-Qaeda and Daesh have made incursions in the Sahel and terrorist attacks are becoming more sophisticated. French forces fighting the insurgency lost a colleague yesterday. François Delatte is the country's ambassador to the UN. It is urgent that the parties in Mali fully implement the peace agreement. The time lost by the Mali signatories was gained by the terrorist groups. The expansion of terrorist attacks in the center of Mali is an illustration of that. And inversely, the redeployment of the state presence in the north, as provided for the peace agreement, will provide hope for the people. The implementation of the peace agreement would show to everyone, and especially to the unemployed young people in the north, that the path of terrorism and drug trafficking is an impasse. Mali and four other Sahelian countries have united to fight terrorism, transnational organized crime, and illegal immigration. 
Abdoulaye Diop is Mali's foreign affairs minister. Mali, in its capacity as current president of the G5 Sahel, is coordinating the process which is to result in establishing uh, this force as quickly as possible. Its strategic um, concept will be considered uh, next week on the 13th of April by the Peace and Security Council of the African Union and they will in turn submit that uh, for the approval of this august body. Mr. Diop paid tribute to the fallen French soldier and to all victims of the crisis in Mali, civilians and soldiers, Malians and foreigners. Diane Penn, United Nations. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's international radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. Listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Nam, kwenye line ya simu, hivi sasa, najiunga moja kwa moja. Farafina. Farafina. Terre de Soleil. Está na companhia do serviço em língua portuguesa do canal África, a voz de renascença africana que transmite a partir dos seus estudos centrais de Auckland Park, cidade de Johannesburg, África do Sul. Sochitika, mu África! Informing the world about Africa, Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. It's 8.13 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine, the African Perspective. Now, an important forum has just ended in South Sudan where more than 30 activists representing 10 women rights organizations have pleaded with the Juba government to restore peace to the country that has been torn apart by ethnic fighting. Channel Africa's James Shimanyula has more. The ongoing ethnic fighting in South Sudan has adversely affected women and children. Every day, hundreds of women abandon their homes and flee to neighboring Kenya, Uganda, and the Democratic Republic of Congo to seek refuge. Their husbands, according to the women, have either disappeared mysteriously or killed in the fighting, pitting government troops and fighters loyal to rebel leader Riek Machar. The government has from time to time swung into action to stop the fighting, but its action appears to have failed to bear fruit because fighting continues unabated and hundreds of people have been dying in the capital Juba and its outskirts as well as far-flung rural areas mostly controlled by rebels. The government controls major towns. The ongoing fighting prompted more than 30 activists belonging to 10 women rights organizations to attend a forum that has just ended in the capital Juba. Beth Itoro of the South Sudan Peace Commission attended the forum and sums up the plight of the women in the country. The war has really made an obstacle for them to reach where they could possibly have reached. Because there are certain areas that were inaccessible, they cannot reach there, but there are others, of course, that they went to to talk about peace. 
briefly touching on the current economic situation in the country, Beth Itoro pointed out this factor. The economic crisis is so biting. Uh, the women are very desperate. They have families to take care of. They, some of the women also have suffered things like rape, seeing their family members killed in front of them. That one has really raised the level of trauma in the country for women because the coping mechanism is really a nail. It's not anywhere near. Arabic-speaking Adija Sendai also had something important to say. Hadija says women have been abandoned in the process of peace. She wants women to be part of the peace process instead of leaving the process to men only. Sarah Atenya, representing the National Women Empowerment Organization, also decries the bad economic situation in the country. However, she asserts that it is time for women to be empowered economically. When these women and the grassroots are economically empowered, they will go and vote. They will speak out. They will, when a man tries to shut you down, you have your food. How will, she punish, how will he punish you? Some men punish us by not giving us money for food. Because we are here, goalkeepers, waiting. But if we are producing, when he tries to shut you down, but you are economically empowered, you are able to move on, then they will have to, you will have to begin working like partners. That was Sarah Atenya, one of the more than 30 activists that attended an important forum that pushes for peace in South Sudan. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is James Shimanyula. United Nations peace operations are at a crossroads. That was the message delivered by the Secretary General at a meeting of the Security Council reviewing the organization's peacekeeping missions in 16 locations around the world. The review comes after pressure from the United States to cut costs in UN missions that come at a price tag of over $7 billion annually, with Washington contributing the largest share of around 28% of a $2.2 billion US dollars of the cost. Show and Bryce Peace has more. Complex and diverse, that's how the UN chief described peacekeeping operations around the world as the UN tries to streamline the division in a world of competing needs and financial constraints. Secretary General Antonio Guterres here with English translation. In many cases, the blue helmets are deployed in places where peace itself is at stake, and they must face the hostility and the lack of cooperation of host governments. Sometimes their security is seriously threatened by terrorism, the proliferation of weapons, and the increase of trans-border crime. There's also a gap between the political processes and certain of our most significant operations that seem to be stagnant without any real likelihood of progress. Among his areas of reform, greater efficiency and accountability, peacekeeping operations that have clear, realistic and up-to-date mandates with well-identified priorities, women playing a far more active role as blue helmets, police and civilian staff, and an increase in the use of modern technology, among others. First, there is no one-size-fits-all peace operation. While some missions have straightforward mandates that focus on separating warring parties or monitoring ceasefires in a relatively stable environment, others have more robust mandates to protect civilians 
and deal with multiple armed groups. And protection of civilians will continue to be a key priority for peacekeeping. Guterres also called for greater enforcement of mandates by the Security Council. The success of every mission depends on an active political process with the commitment of all stakeholders, particularly governments. This Council has a vital role in securing this commitment and cooperation. And I will personally support this goal in any way possible. I have spoken before to this Council about the urgency and necessity of a surge in diplomacy for peace. Missions in Liberia and Côte d'Ivoire will close within the year, while true productions are on the cards for various operations, including the conversion from peacekeeping to a political mission in Haiti. I'm Sherman Bricepies in New York. An early night court ruling ensured that the march to the union buildings to demand the resignation of President Jacob Zuma takes place today. Earlier yesterday, the Tswane Metro administration had prohibited the march, saying some requirements had not been complied with. The situation got more confused when the mayor, Solim Simanga, tweeted that as far as he was concerned, the march had not been prohibited. But a court ruling cleared the whole confusion. The presidency also said in a statement that it was not opposed to the march. Meanwhile, the South African police say they will be ready for all the marches taking place countrywide. Fanuel Schumer has more. Until late last night, the situation was confusing. That's when the administration was saying permission to march was not granted, while the organizers were saying the march would continue as arranged. The organizers had camped at the church square for the whole week in the build-up to the march. But the uncertainty on whether it would continue or not left many people in doubt. The organizers then approached the Pretoria chief magistrate, seeking to overturn the Tswane Metro's prohibition order. The court ruled in the march organizers' favor, and the spokesperson Temba Masango was excited. That ruling has been overturned officially. The march is now going on. It is a legal march with permission to the union buildings. We are allowed to go there. South Africa has a beautiful justice system. South Africa is uh, working well in the courts. As patriots, we love our country. Just ashamed of our government. And uh, we are thankful that we can now go and uh, march peacefully. The marchers are voicing their discontent on President Jacob Zuma's decision to reshuffle his cabinet. Last Friday, President Zuma sacked five ministers from his cabinet. The casualties included Finance Minister Praven Godan and his deputy Mtebisi Jonas. This week, ratings agency Standard & Poor's downgraded the country to junk status, heralding more economic woes for South Africans. Masango says the march is in defense of South Africa's constitution. We're going to have the everyday men on the street voicing their um, disgruntlement and their uh, unhappiness with our government. I want to quickly say and very put it importantly that we are patriots. We love our country, but we are ashamed of our current government leadership, namely Jacob Zuma. And that is why we are marching to say Zuma must go and go now. The SAPS have announced their readiness to ensure that the marches are as orderly as possible. Acting Commissioner Komoto Patlanim told the media that police will ensure that law and order is maintained. So we thought it is important uh, that we place it on record that as we are sitting here, all protest matches planned for the city of Tswane 
are considered to be illegal as no approval has been granted by the relevant authorities. Uh, despite that, we will be on the ground. We will deploy accordingly uh, to make sure that uh, we contribute towards the safe and security of all. The organizers are expecting about a million people to gather at the church square to participate in a march that is scheduled to leave for the union buildings at 10 o'clock this morning. It is expected to last until midday. Fanuel Schumer is in Pretoria. South Africa opposition parties and civil society organizations have expressed concern at threats of violence and intimidation ahead of today's marches. Thousands of people are expected to take to the streets in the country's major centers of Johannesburg, Pretoria, Cape Town and Durban to call for President Jacob Zuma to step down. However, in the run-up to the mass action, various incidents, including comments made by new police minister Figilim Balula, calls by the ruling ANC Youth League for its members to arm themselves and the harassment of Save South Africa organizers have put the country on a knife's edge. Mbali Sibanyoni has more. Police Minister Figilem Balula's recent comments at a police training college in Pretoria have left many uneasy. He told a parade welcoming him into office that violence will not be tolerated and gave a stern warning to those who will be protesting against President Jacob Zuma on Friday. And those who are doing violent protests, they must stop. If they don't stop, we'll stop them. Because the Constitution doesn't say... We must stop people who are protesting, including those who are now in the streets saying that and that about the president. will allow them to say what they like. But uh, nobody has got the right to burn the grass because in the name of a protest. It's not constitutional. We must educate our people because I don't want another Marikana here where police opened fire and people died. We don't want another Marikana. Our people must understand that protesting does not mean to destroy property of the democratic state. Ironically, the violence that Mbalula appears hell-bent on stopping may come from quarters outside of the marches, throwing down the gauntlet to the DA supporters who will be marching in Johannesburg, the ANC Youth League spokesperson Sviesel Ntsweni, during a rally in Germiston this week, threatened those who will be taking to the streets. We want to say to Musimaimane and his ugly friends, we are waiting for you on Friday. You will find the A similar tone has been echoed by Umkondowe Siswe military veterans in KwaZulu Natal. Provincial chairperson Crosby Mavundla has warned that the opposition dare not march to the ANC's Lutuli House headquarters. This was the DA's original destination, but fears of violence have forced the party's leadership to change its route and end instead at Mary Fitzgerald Square, several blocks away from the governing party's building. As the leadership we said, we engaged on that and we felt that uh, it will be prudent for us to allow the members to, to make arrangements for members to go to Lutuli House and, and defend it against the uh, ridiculous uh, opposition that is visionless anyway by 
by our terms, um, a vigilant uh, opposition. So uh, we have made all uh, the necessary logistical arrangements for our members to go to the, to the House and defend the organization and the movement uh, come Friday. Civil organization SAVSA has been at the receiving end of a prosumer group as it finalized the preparations for its march to the union buildings in Pretoria from Church Square. Spokesperson Temba Masango. A case has been opened against the individual thugs that have come yesterday to intimidate and to break down the banners and tear down the banners and burn the banners of the Save SA campaign and the march. And uh, the police were here, they've taken statements, and uh, those people were identified, even their car was identified, and police are investigating that. It was individual thugs. And uh, they were claiming to be from the ANC. In the face of these incidents, the ANC leadership has expressed its concern at reports of sporadic violence and intimidation. The governing party says such actions have no place in South Africa and threaten to turn the country back to a time where civic activism by citizens was stifled in the name of preserving law and order. Speaking at a media briefing following a meeting of its National Working Committee, Deputy Secretary General Jesse Duarte said the following. Let me make it clear that the ANC does not support any ANC member who may believe that they have a right to shambok people in any march anyway. So we hope that no one from the ANC or anyone pretending to be from the ANC will be out there with shamboks. People have a right to march and, and they should if they wish. With regards to the climate that has been created, however, by Mbalulula's comments, political analyst Lebuhang Peko says these signal a move towards lessening the space for people to express their rights in a safe environment. Um, I was listening to the remarks that were made by um, Figile Mbalula, the new um, you know, minister of police, um, well, old new, basically. And you know, the, the language that he was using, fire for fire, nail for nail, etc., which speaks to the fact that it's going to be increasingly difficult for people, for ordinary citizens, for civil movements, um, for social activists, uh, to be able to, to dissent and to gather in a safe space. Um, and he also, uh, it also spoke to the criminalizing of social protests um, in ways that are very problematic. It spoke to the, the rights of the police and of the, of, the, of, the, of the state apparatus to shoot anybody from whom they feel or perceive they may be in danger. Now, That was political analyst Lebuhang Peku ending that report by Mbali Sibanyoni in Johannesburg. It's 8.30 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Our headlines up next with Anne Musa. In the headlines... Rather, very good morning to you, um, Anne Musa, with the headlines. Countrywide protest marches against South African President Jacob Zuma. A roadside bomb kills 20 people in a minibus in Somalia's lower Shabela region. And Lesotho's political party sign a pledge to prioritize the implementation of constitutional and security reforms ahead of the upcoming June 3rd elections. Those are the stories making headlines.
Thank you, and it is 8.31 Central African time, and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Now, it's all systems go for the Save South Africa march to the union buildings today to call for President Jacob Zuma to step down. Several marches and events are expected to take place nationwide today, following President Jacob Zuma's cabinet reshuffle last week. To find out more on this, we're now joined on the line from Pretoria by Save South Africa organizer Timba Masangu. Timba, good morning and welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. Morning, Lily. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Timba. Timba, what time are you starting with the march this morning? Can you get, just give us some details? All right, awesome. Uh, first of all, I want to say the march is legal. It's 100% has been done. The Justice uh, Court have already uh, declared that our march is legal. So 10 a.m. this morning, South Africans are gathering at uh, the Church Square in Pretoria, and they will have excuse me, festivities there and march on at 12 uh, through to the Union Buildings. Now, Timber, as we speak to you, what's the turnout like? Um, how many people have turned up so far, and how many are you expecting? Little people are streaming in, in their numbers as we speak. So, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's actually very hard to tell because people are just coming in. Festivities are only due to start at about um, 10 uh, a.m., as I said. We've got the busloads of people coming through from uh, different townships in and around Pretoria, uh, example, Mamilodi, Atresville, Sosangove, Kharankoa. Uh, uh, busloads of people are coming. Marshals are ready. Uh, police are ready in order to be able to direct people to the church square uh, on time. I also want to emphasize the meaning that safety should not be a major concern. We've checked everything. Uh, Metro Police is working with us. SAPS is working with us. And we have over a thousand marshals just that will be watching uh, the people's safety and private security that will be marching in and around the people. So um, safety is first. And uh, legality is also up there. So this thing is happening. Zuma must go. Now, Demba, just looking at the weather outside uh, from our studios, you know, it, it has been raining. It's, it's not too hot. It's not sunny mm. today. Um, some people are a bit worried that it might not work in your favor, but um, others would uh, safely say that the weather is working in your favor because it's not too hot, so people will be able to walk. 100% because this is awesome weather for a march because it's not hot. The rain has stopped and uh, the, 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 the weather is cool so we'll be able to, to march. And remember, there's going to be a lot of singing and chanting going up and down so the body heat that's going to be exerted there is going to be tremendous. So we're actually very thankful for uh, this weather. It looks like uh, even the universe and the gods are on our side with this one, eh? Now, Temba, when you get to the union buildings as the marchers, mm. what is going to happen? Is there, so, is there going to be some sort of address by any of, the, uh, any of your leadership, or is it just marching there and uh, getting to your destination and people then leave and go, go home? What, what exactly is going to happen no. when you get to the union we, buildings? We've got our whole lineup to put here because we've got organizations from all over South Africa. SAFCHU, uh, Federation, we've got the deputy, uh, second deputy secretary general of the SACP, Basoli Mopayda, who will also be speaking. We've got, uh, uh, obviously, the religious groups, uh, the bishops of Pretoria, who will be speaking. Obviously, 
the lead FA, uh, uh, leader, Basoli uh, Pichana, who, uh, Sipo Pichana, who's going to be speaking. We've also got uh, organizations like, for example, the uh, uh, student uh, uh, movements all in and around Pretoria universities of Pretoria. 20 uh, guys are also here. And uh, we've got a lot of civic movements, uh, guys from Marikana around here. So we've got a whole line up packed for the day and ready to, to, to be able to let South Africans know that we are patriots. We love our country, but we are ashamed of our president. And uh, if South Africans of all races, of all political persuasions can descend upon Pretoria today, I think we'll send out a clear message to uh, the forces of state capture to say to them that we've had enough and uh, we are not going to take it anymore and uh, that they must go and go immediately. Parliament must go back to Parliament and not Saxon Wazinashabini, which is yet to be identified. Now, Temba, before I let you go, um, the, the other marches that are taking place in other cities um, like Cape Town, like uh, um, Durban, Johannesburg, have you managed to speak to any of those uh, organizers or any of those people, the leadership yes. that is there, and what's happening? Can you just paint a, a very quick picture for us, for uh-huh. the listener with regards to um, what's happening in the rest of the country? Awesome. I'm in contact uh, uh, with the other uh, conveners and, and leaders around the country and I can let you know right now people are filling the streets wherever they are uh, but Cape Town that is busy right now Durban which is uh, hectic right in Zuma province they are, they, are, they, are, they are coming out in their numbers of the Adams Free State that is coming out Limpopo as well surprisingly are saying that they're going to come out so we are saying that if you are unable to get to Pretoria wherever you are just come out there and even if you're alone in the office and just chant there and say it's for another thing Luz, please if i can just before i let you go as well is that i'm asking corporate and business people to please allow their people if possible we know that uh, they are trying to make money and so on but for this day for the sake of South africa let them come out so that we can get out of this junk status that uh, jacob zuma and his cronies have put up there Temba, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have to leave it there for now. Thank you. And that was Save South Africa organizer Temba Masango joining us live on the line from Pretoria, giving us an update of the gatherings of the marchers who are going to be marching on the Union buildings and the rest of the country. Um, that is Cape Town, Johannesburg and Durban, all the major cities, including uh, in Bulugwane in Limpopo. Hello and welcome to Channel Africa, the African Perspective. We broadcast from Johannesburg in South Africa and our main aim is to provide you with news, views, knowledge and entertainment from Africa to Africans and listeners from around the world. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Diana Wanyonyi in Mombasa. For Channel Africa, I am Kumbera Munjarere in Johannesburg. Channel Africa, Kinshasa, Jean-Noel Bamweze. Reporting for Channel Africa from Zambia, I am Hilda Kekelwa. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective.
It's 8.39 Central African Time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Former African Union Commission Chairperson Nkosazana Zamini Zuma has challenged young people in South Africa to lead the struggle for socio-economic transformation. She was speaking yesterday at an event to mark 38 years since the hanging of Solomon Matlangu. Matlangu was hung in 1979 after being convicted of murder for Umkondowe Sizwe missions he had been a part of. Lamini Zuma says the youth must emulate Matlangu as he strives to change conditions at that time for future generations. Amos Pajo has more. Lamini Zuma told scores of ANC Youth League members that they must be in the forefront of the struggle for economic emancipation, education and equality, amongst others. She says this, however, must benefit the society at large. Economic transformation means that we must be establish young entrepreneurs. We must create industrialists, black industrialists. It's not sustainable in any country that the majority is not part of the mainstream economy. It's an unsustainable situation. We have to make sure that people who need the land are able to get it, as the ANC has said, and we are going to the policy conference and we must be discussing these issues. Lamini Zuma has also called on the ANC Youth League to reclaim its space in society. Nature does not allow a vacuum. Where there is a vacuum, somebody comes in. So we must make sure we occupy the space in society and lead society. You must lead the Youth League and lead the Youth League in leading society. In the institutions, you must be there. On the shop floor, for young people, you must be there. Everywhere, you must be there so that you are the ones who give the direction. Otherwise, now everyone is giving direction. ANC Youth League Secretary General Njabulo Nzuza says the Youth League accepts the responsibility to lead and unite the ANC. We are here with our people. We are here in the township to make sure that we send a message of hope that what Comrade Solomon Matlam struggled for is what the ANC will continue to do. We are not going to come here and say to you, divide the ANC. We want a united ANC and those who divide the ANC will leave them aside. We will continue to build the African National Congress that is a sharp tool to better the life of our people. Meanwhile, the Matlangu family has thanked the governing party for its continued commitment towards ensuring that Solomon Matlangu's sacrifices are an integral part of the history of South Africa's liberation struggle. I'm Amos Power in Pretoria. Rwanda's Foreign Minister Louise Mushikiwabo says relations between Rwanda and South Africa have improved immensely over the years. The minister was speaking at a press conference in the Rwandan capital, Kigali. Cyril Valdas Karamera reports from Kigali. This was one of the key issues that foreign and local reporters wanted it to be cleared about. Rwanda and South Africa have since 2010 been embroiled in a diplomatic row sparked by counter accusations on what Rwanda regards as its fugitives currently in South Africa. Seven years now, Rwandan Minister for Foreign Affairs, Louise Mushikiwabo, admits 
For South Africa, I would say that um, um, the relationship has improved. Um, the appointing of uh, diplomats um, has more to do with having officers ready to go than uh, anything else. But as in, in, in any uh, relationship that has uh, hit uh, difficulty, it's normal that things will get back to normal slowly. Uh, but uh, also depending on what's going on inside uh, each one of our countries, our domestic politics uh, always affect um, our um, foreign uh, policy and our uh, technical uh, foreign affairs appointments. Uh, but um, I think it's fair to say that uh, the relationship between South Africa and Rwanda is at a much better place than it were um, uh, a couple of few years back. So as he just is speaking about her country's foreign diplomacy, that worked so much on countries that initially had some diplomatic frictions with Rwanda. Last year, in May, South African Deputy President Sri Ramaphosa was in Rwanda and said his country and Rwanda's bilateral ties can only deepen further with the blood streams in their hands. Sylvan Sremera, reporting for General Africa in Kigali. I'm Tabi Solohoko with an economics update. Good morning. Government entities in Kenya have been given powers to bypass the existing public procurement laws and use a special method under certain circumstances. In the amendments contained in the Finance Bill 2017 that was tabled in Parliament on Tuesday, the National Treasury amended the law to introduce specially permitted procurement as an alternative method of acquiring public goods or services. The new method, which becomes the 11th alternative from the existing 10, will see procuring entities use this method with the permission from the National Treasury. Ghana's Ministry of Finance has hinted of the new government's commitment to develop better relationship with uh, the Chinese, which is aimed at developing a robust economy. In view of this, the government is expected to meet with the Chinese officials in Ghana, led by the ambassador, to discuss issues of mutual interest and the three billion US dollar China Development Bank loan. In 2011, the Atamals Mahama government secured a three billion dollar loan from the China Development Bank, which is state-owned for major infrastructure development projects in Ghana. Zambia and other developing countries have been challenged to take advantage of the London Stock Exchange and access financing in a wide range of currencies to invest in economic prosperity. United Kingdom International Development Secretary Priti Patel said at the launch of the first ever companies to inspire Africa report in London that the city of London should rise to the challenge of becoming the global financial center for the developing world. But Dell says the London Stock Exchange is leading the way through a new partnership with an organization called Grant Corporation, supported by the Department for International Development, which would bring more international bonds in a wider range of currencies to the London market. 
Total Liberia has donated a consignment of medical supplies to the government-run Redemption Hospital in the borough of the new crew town outside Monrovia. The company says since arriving in Liberia, Total Liberia has undertaken a commitment to make a wider contribution through its corporate social responsibility programs across the areas in which they operate. Materials the entity donated on Thursday include surgical gowns, shoe covers and several other accessories. Oil prices have soared after the United States launched dozens of cruise missiles at an airbase in Syria. A U.S. official says more than 50 Tomahawk cruise missiles were fired from U.S. Navy destroyers in the eastern Mediterranean against several targets and a base in Homs. The operation appeared to have already been completed. The U.S. dollar trades at 17, or rather 13.979 to the rand. It's at 10.52 in Botswana and at 9.43 in Zambia. It's trading at 8.0 to the British pound and 9.3 to the euro. Gold won $263, platinum $961 an ounce. Brand crude $55.77 a barrel. You're listening to Channel Africa. My name is Tabiso Lohoko. A sports update up next with Figi Lilingwati. In our sports update, we begin with rugby news. Springbok 7's captain Philip Sneeman yesterday fulfilled his first captain's photo call in Hong Kong, where the next leg of the HSBC World Rugby 7 Series will take place starting today. Sneeman says Hong Kong still remains the pinnacle of 7's rugby and they are looking forward to a tournament they are yet to win. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, my first captain photo in Hong Kong, and yeah, I think Hong Kong is pretty much the pinnacle of of, of, of the Seven Series. So, yeah, um, a great opportunity, and really looking forward to this weekend ahead of us. Yes, definitely. Um, happy with the way training has been going. Um, yeah, we started um, yesterday with a, an attacking session and, and then also a gym session. And then today was our big one, the defense session. Uh, I must say, the guys are in really good spirit. Um, everybody is on the same page. And, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. I can't wait to, to see those youngsters um, hitting the pitch the weekend. I think they're going to have a lot of energy. The Blitz Borke will play against France, Kenya and Canada in the pool and Stamon wants his side to just focus on getting through their pool before thinking about the knockout stages of the tournament. Yeah, um, we, we can't focus on the, on, on the end result now. Um, first, we need to focus on our pool stages, um, Canada, um, France and, and, and Kenya, um, and then we will sort out if, if we're going through to the knockout stages. Um, and on the, in the overall picture, um, we just want to treat this as the next tournament. We don't want to think too much in, in advance. Um, but Hong Kong is one tournament that we really want to win. Um, so, yeah, all our focus is on this weekend, and hopefully we can, we can be successful. 
In swimming news, the 2016 Rio Olympian Matthew Mayer narrowly missed out on qualifying for the World Championships in Hungary at the SA National Aquatic Championships in Devon last night. Mayer posted 7 minutes 54.53 seconds in the men's 800 meter freestyle final. The qualifying time was 7 minutes 54.31 seconds. The Devon born swimmer also failed to qualify in the 400 meter earlier in the week, but is hoping to register the qualifying time in his favorite 1,500 meter race, the event that he went to the Olympics for. Yeah, um, bleak about that. Uh, what can you do? But um, I put my all into the race, so um, I came out with the best results I possibly could. Uh, it was a bit off my my goal time, but I know I can come back strong in that 1500 and get the time I need. Uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, there's things I can work on, my turns. Um, the swimming was okay. It was just the techni- technical things, the dives, the turns, um, stuff I'm trying to work on in training. So obviously it needs a bit more work. Yeah, so I've still got that um, 1500 meter coming up in two days. So um, it's going to be about going for that time. I-, I was happy with my 400 time at the beginning of the week. Um, sad, a uh, bit off here. But um, yeah, no, that 1500 on Saturday night's going to be a big one. So um, I've got some tough competition there too. So it's going to be trying to get that qualifying time, definitely. Chad Leclerc posted another qualifying time in the men's 200-meter butterfly final in a 1 minute 55.00 seconds ahead of Miles Brown, 1 minute 59.77 seconds, and Alad Basson in third place. Leclerc is extremely happy with his time. I mean, shit, uh... 54.9 would have been fantastic, but uh, yeah, very happy. You know, if you told me before the race, 155, I would have definitely taken this. Uh, I think it was a lot more smoother than recent 25. It didn't, it didn't kill me as much as I thought it would. You know, I was, I was, I, think I was hurting coming into the into the 50 to go, but you know, I still felt like I wasn't dying from like 75 to go. You know, when Stellenbosch, I was, I didn't know if I was going to finish at last length. You know, so uh, yeah, I was happy, happy this one. You know, I hit all my turns right, uh, pretty much spot on. I think you know. Uh, timing of the wall and I think uh, the underwaters weren't they weren't you know I'm not really looking to go so far underwater uh, this time of the season I just want to get the turns right so you know when I touched I felt like I got a good push of the wall and I was very efficient um, I don't know if you guys noticed the stroke might have looked a little different a little bit more flatter which we've been working a lot on but uh, you know it's only honestly it's only been a couple of weeks of you know getting this right and you know I've still got another four months you know 13-14 weeks to get prepared for, for, the, for the big one of course. Finally, with football news, the Nelson Mandela Children Foundation is once again working hard to give back to the community as it will hold hands with the Kanu Heart Foundation in a charity peace football encounter. And former Nigerian soccer national team and Mamelodi Sundowns player, who is vice-captain Rafael Chuku, says the match will be played at Teslim Balugun Stadium in Lagos on the 29th of April. Well, um, uh, it, it's a good idea as far as it's something that you're giving back to the people because there's a lot of people with heart problems and this that. If that will raise funds for them, if it's going for to them, those people that really need it, then it's a good uh, initiation, you know, for, for them to come and support because uh, they have finished playing it's just for them to give back to the public. If they can be able to turn up and connect uh, with another crazy people that love football, I'm sure the gate taking will be much enough for them to be able to do little and help those people that are in those conditions. That's your Spot News this hour. Africa, rise and shine.
Afrika Zora Afrika amka na unai Recapping our top stories in Africa rise and shine at the Sawa US launches missile strikes in Syria Security Council meets to review peacekeeping operations and South Africa's opposition prepares for anti-President Zuma protest. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine for this hour and for the week. From myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Pumuzo Ramagaza, technical producer Barry Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info.channelafrica.co.za or tweet us at Rise Shine Africa or send an SMS on 277-969-57930. Are taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 15255 kHz on the 19-meter band to southern Africa is Pumuzo's choice.